So Mariner makes it home, but the saga does not end there. Let's continue with the final episode of the Toki Yukamea podcast. This is it, y'all. This is the closure we've all been looking for. So in the year 2007, David Mason Booksellers of Ontario, Canada advertised for sale on the internet a copy of Mariner's account that once belonged to Mariner himself for $4,000 Canadian dollars. And in the back of the book was a copy of a letter written into the blank pages. And this copy was a letter apparently from Mafihape to Mariner, which was written in 1832. And it was given to a gentleman by the name of John Cook to deliver to Mariner.、Um, Cook was on a ship called the Zebra that made a stop in Tonga. And、uh, Mafihape met them、um, at the ship while they were docked there. So this letter was given to Cook, and,、um, and he promised her that he would search for Mariner and deliver this letter to him. And、uh, when Cook arrived back in England, he couldn't find him right away. It would actually take five years before they would make contact in 1837. So, 26 years after returning from Tonga,、um, Mariner finally hears、uh, or gets a letter from Mafihape or just from anybody in Tonga. In the front of this book, it was written to Mrs. C.A. McCulloch、uh, with best wishes of her father, William Mariner, dated. The 30th of March in 1849. And it turns out that Mrs. C.A. McCulloch was his daughter, Jane, Jane Margaret Mariner McCulloch,、um, a great grandson of William Mariner by the name of Dennis、uh, McCulloch, purchased the book at the urging of Nigel Stritham, who wrote this、uh, source that I am reading from for this part of the podcast. And this was taken from、uh, something that he published in the Journal of Pacific History, Volume 43, Number 3, which was published in December of 2008. In this article, he writes Mafihape was one of Finau's wives and a woman of high rank who proceeded to instruct him in the language and customs of polite society and to care for his material wants. She was very much younger than Finau and either had no children by Finau. Or they had been stillborn. The presentation of Mariner as a son to this young woman may have been an act of kindness on the part of Finau to make up for his lack, and Mariner took the place of the son that she did not have. She had afterwards as much as real esteem and parental affection for him as she could possibly have for her own son. She was probably in her early 20s when Mariner first met her. 
Her comparative youth may have account for the remark that in all respects and on every occasion she conducted herself towards him with the greatest maternal affection, modesty, and propriety. Mariner remembered her as a woman of great understanding, personal beauty, and amiable manners. The relationship between them appears to have been familiar and uninhibited. Mariner learned to trust her to the extent of confiding to her his most treasured possession, the Journal of the Porto Prince, which he had somewhat managed to save from the general conflagration of his books and papers. She kept a watchful eye over his interests, and it was her advice he followed in the dangerous situation in which he found himself after his ill-timed sneeze when Finau-san was about to perform the rite of Duki at his father's grave. Ooh, sneeze gate! Mariner's relationship to her explains the role he played in the stratagem to prevent her attendants from leaving Mava'u. Apart from his own observations, she was the main source of the information about the conditions and attitudes of Tongan women. The fact that she was childless may account for the paucity of information about the relationship between children and parents. She must have been an extraordinary nice woman, and this no doubt is the reason for the somewhat idealized description of female behavior. Mariner reciprocated her affection and was much disappointed when he did not find her at Lifukahapai on his departure. Having suddenly been deprived of her position as a wife of the Hau and of her attendants and helpers in acquiring and managing the wealth that flowed to her in that position, her station in life and prosperity in Hapai would undoubtedly have been greatly reduced, even though she was living there in the compound of a very high chief, her father, she no longer enjoyed the abundance of wealth that had been hers in Vava'u. Interestingly, Mafihape was later courted by Vuki, who was the son of Tuita, who was the governor of Ha'apai, and they had four children. Vuki was a son of Latu Fuipeka. She was a Tamaha. The Tamaha was the special title given to the eldest daughter of the Tuitonga Fefine. And I'm reading this uh, entry in Wikipedia. The Tamaha had the highest social status in the land because she was Fahu to the Tuitonga. However, she did not have the highest societal rank or Ha'a. The Tamaha did not rule the land and had no real power within the societal structure. We come to find out that um, there was a lot of ships actually from overseas that uh, stopped in Tonga and Mafihape um, made contact with several of their captains because they uh, recall that they had met her and uh, every time that she had met with them she wanted to inquire about Mariner to if they knew him, if they know how he's doing. And um, and none of that was ever successful as far as making contact with Mariner. And it wasn't until uh, this gentleman, uh, John H. Cook on the zebra, uh, came to Tonga and then he brought this letter. So le- what does this letter say? Let's get down to it. Tokiukamea, Misa Malina. So, uh, Mr. Mariner, Tokiukamea was the name that he was given in Tonga. Basically saying, this is a letter from Fagato Mafisulia to you. So, interestingly, her name, uh, Mafihape, was the name that we've known her as throughout the book. But um, she's usually uh, using her full name, but then there's also the name Sulia attached to it. So this kind of gives us an idea of just the changes that were happening in Tonga at that time uh, for her to have a European name attached to her Tongan name. 
She goes on to say, Okwo ofa tu au pito au pito kiatekoe, pe ok ikai ha fara moi moi, he ok ikai keo ilo ipe ea uatu etohi kiatekoe. Basically, she's saying, I love you so much and I apologize I don't have a gift for you because I don't know if this letter is even going to reach you. She goes on, Pe ok ke ilo ipe koe fonua masiva. She's saying, you know we're poor. I don't even know if anything here can be of any use to you. So again, she just declares her love for him. So obviously, you know, their relationship was very close. And um, she updates him. She has a son named Latu Niwa. And she calls um, Latu Niwa, tells Mariner, this is your brother, this is my son. And talking about how she's poor and she's living in um, Tonga with Tupo. And and she keeps bringing up the word masiva, which means poor. And so I don't know if this really means poor in material means or if there is another context to it. I don't know if she's comparing like the material wealth of Tonga compared to England uh, because, you know, they got to see the wealth of, of England just from what they were able to see on ships. Um, the other thing, too, is that with the increased um, contact with the Europeans, and also uh, Christianity coming into Tonga during this time, the context could also mean that, you know, they uh, poor in spirit, I guess you could say, because they didn't have religion until the missionaries came. I, all these things need to be considered because this is really all the, um, the multiple truths that we have to um, juggle when we are considering Tongan identity. Yeah? She goes on to say, Basically, if you are still thinking of me and if you still love me, please put somebody on a boat and send them over to me. So we see this is a totally different Tonga now because now she's talking about, um, you know, she wants Mariner to send somebody with a letter or if he has a son to uh, send his son over. Uh, but then she also mentions that she has been praying to Jehovah. Um, and, and this is why she is still alive today because her new faith has sustained and prolonged her life. And so in just a short amount of time, we see that Tonga has already been changed radically by the presence of Christianity. She then gives some updates on what's happening with the family. Tuapasi was the younger brother of um, Finau Moengangongo. He became the next Finau after Moengangongo passed away. And the next couple of sentences in the letter uh, grammatically doesn't make sense in Tongan. And I don't know if this is like a literal translation uh, when Mariner was um, was transcribing this letter. So, But I'm just going to read it as is. Um, she goes on to uh, continuing the update. Um, so talking about 
Tuapasi becoming the next Finau. And then in the next sentence, she confirms the fate of uh, Moenga Ngongo. Kua mahaki a Moenga Ngongo, he kua nofokoe i hofonua pe a moho kainga, ka koia oklahi hono masiwa. Basically, like, you're over there living the life and we are all over here suffering. Which is such a Tongan thing to do, like all this gaslighting. Gaslighting is so Tongan. Basically, she's saying, if you have anything that could be of use to Tuapasi, please send it to us. Um, and then I was kind of confused by the next sentence, but it looks like she's making a plea for his wife as well. I thought she was talking maybe about Tuapasi's wife, but she's talking about in that sentence, uh, Ohoana is the old Tongan term for wife. Um, they don't use that anymore. But um, just uh, making a plea also, if he was married and if he has a wife, to allow him to do all these things that Mafihape is asking for. She continues, so by today's standards, this letter is a very, very informal, um, I would say a lower level form of Tongan. Um, however, the emotions um, totally captured in this letter, uh, just the, um, you know, so the updates is great, but you can also just feel her pain. There's definitely a longing there for Mariner. Um, and also, the, um, keep bringing, she keeps bringing up the point of them being poor, masiva being um, the word that she used. So, you know, when I first read this letter, I was also just kind of chuckling at it because I've received similar letters from relatives living in Tonga about things that they want and they need, um, whether it's money. But the funniest one was like a letter about um, I need like shampoo and conditioner um and like you know those kind of of beauty products so it was kind of given those vibes i was kind of laughing at it. at the same time it's sad yeah because um just uh thinking about the close relationship they once had um mafihape being a mother figure to young mariner who grew up in tonga we come to learn that you know a lot of the things that mariner learned about tongan cultures and customs was actually from her and so she's just a very significant integral part of mariner's story uh, and mariner's account so this is so cool that this letter was found um and so i felt like this was a very fitting end for the podcast we you know we do a little time skip um 20 plus years uh, since Mariner departed Tonga, we get to find out what happened and all these changes that have happened in Tonga since Mariner left. And I'm assuming that this Tupo that she's talking about in her letter is actually talking about um, Tau Fahau, who, uh, you know, he's from the Tupo clan, um, became Siaosi Tupo the first. And so anyway, this um, copy of this letter is also included in the Google Drive folder of all the shared resources. And I highly recommend that you all go and check it out. 
Well, that is the end of this journey. Wow, it's been quite、uh, an experience just,、um, you know, from starting this podcast from the beginnings of this annoying ass pandemic, which is still lingering.、Um, and to this day,、um, I'm just so grateful for all of you th- who have listened and who have supported the podcast. I had no idea of the reach until、um, I took a trip last year to New Zealand. Uh, at the end of July, and I didn't realize there were so many people out there listening to the podcast. And so I had such an awesome experience there. And I shared some pictures on、um, the Instagram page for the podcast of just some of the awesome people that I met out there who listened to、um, the Tokyo Gamea podcast and just supported it from afar. And also, I've received a lot of letters and emails from you. Um, and I just want you all to know that I am grateful.、Um, I appreciate all of you. I don't want to share any names because I know I'm just going to miss some. But I want you all to know that、um, I read everything you've sent me and also just our conversations. I really just enjoyed being in that moment with you all and hearing you all just sharing、um, you know, your experiences of engaging. Um, the podcast. This podcast has been so just eye opening for me、um, to really get into more details about the story. Because, like I mentioned before,、uh, the Mariner story, I,、um, you know, living in Tonga, I, I grew up with that story in my mind. And so、um, it wasn't until later in my adult years that I really looked into it and read the book,、um, uh, the John、uh, Martin version of, of the account. Um, and, like I mentioned before,、um, a lot of the materials that I took for this、um, podcast is taken from the Tonga book,、um, and that I found in the iBook store.、Um, so, definitely go in there and look for that book and read it if you haven't.、Um, I've always、uh, known that Ulkualala was like this really、um, you know, infamous figure in Tongan history. But I really wasn't expecting that Moenga Ngongo was even going to be a better version of him.、Uh, maybe not so much in、um, warrior chops because he never really got to show off、um, you know, what he could do as a warrior because there were no wars being fought at the time. But his,、um, as a statesman, as a politician,、uh, just so impressive. And Also,、um, you know, this was a time in Tonga where it was completely being、uh, transformed by the presence of Europeans. So I was not surprised that someone like Moengangongo was so curious and just had this really natural、um, intellectual side to him. So that was very pleasant to read. One of the things that I really loved about the book is just how multiple,、um, and not so much the book, but Mariner's perspective, because He was there and he got to see it all,、um, just fleshing out all these characters that we learn about in Tongan history. And, you know, in a lot of the research I did for the book, it can be so daunting and just,、um, and, you know, part of the reasons why I'm not going to blame this on,、um, on the research, although I have to say that the research takes such a long time because there's so much reading I had to do. So many documents I had to comb through just to get more context to some of the things that Mariner was、uh, talking about. 
specifically when it came to like the chiefs of those days right and all of the different uh, feuds that were going on what triggered it uh, the three different lines as far as the tuitonga tui hatakalaua tui kanokpolu all of the events that transpired from that I mean, there is so much richness in our Tongan history that cannot be contained in just one little podcast. Like there had, there could have been so many side stories um, to the podcast, but this podcast would never have been completed if I had, um, you know, stayed uh, in that deep dive. And so there were many times I had to pull myself out of that uh, the rabbit hole. Uh, because just some of those things were so intriguing to read. And so uh, most of that stuff can be found in the documents that I shared in the Google Drive. So if you uh, want the link, it's in our my Instagram page and it's just linked in the bio. So go in there, click on it and just dive into those resources. I've had a lot of questions about what's going to happen next after this. Honestly, um, I'm kind of done with this because it just takes so much time. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. I believe if I had funding um, to adequately, you know, compensate for not just my time, but it would have been nice to have a producer, a researcher, you know, like real podcasts that make lots of money. That's what they have. And um, I had to do this all by myself. So not that I'm asking for your pity because I actually enjoy reading all these um documents, all these research papers uh, on Tongan history. I just have to say, uh, give a shout out to all of the scholars who have done that labor because it's so much work. And even the Palangi ones. Yes, I'm going to have to give a shout out to the Palangi ones as well. You know, I've kind of been Lotokovi towards them because of the kind of access they have because of the privilege of being Palangi. But uh, the fact is, is that a lot of their research is very important as far as helping us to understand um, some of these things in a greater context. So thank you to all the scholars, all the Tongan scholars for filling in those gaps that the Balangi scholars would otherwise miss, you know, all the juicy stuff. Oh, and before I forget, um, there is also a continuation to this story because a son of Mariner named George William went to Tonga and eloped with the granddaughter, or the, yeah, the granddaughter of Finau Ulkalala II by the name of Sela Tauvao. And they fled to Samoa because apparently she was arranged to be married with someone else. And so the Mariner family in Samoa are actual descendants of this son of William Mariner. And some of you uh, from this Mariner family have reached out to me, um, so... Uh, this is so awesome. Um, this is the legacy of your relative. So uh, thank you again um, for all of you listening from all over the world. According to the data on Anchor, uh, the Tokyo Kamea podcast has been played over 30,000 times. And just to share some data with you, um, most of the listeners came from the United States, 54%. 23% came from uh, New Zealand, 20% from Australia, and then 1% in Tonga and 1% in Germany and Canada and the UK and even Japan. Oh, wait, hold on. Niue, Switzerland, Ghana, Poland, Ireland, Fiji, France, Italy, Spain, Netherlands, Samoa, Philippines, Hong Kong, Colombia, Cambodia. What? These must have been people who just accidentally clicked on it. French Polynesia. Yes. 
Oh, a gender breakdown. This is taken from Spotify. Um, 86% of listeners to the podcast are male. 12% are female. 1% did not specify. Um, the highest age group who listens to the podcast are between the ages of 35 to 44. So 52%. And then the next highest group would be 18 to 22 followed by uh, 23 to 27, 28 to 34. So this is awesome data for me to see that a lot of young listeners out there are really interested in learning more about, um, you know, a little bit about Tongan history. Um, The episode with the most listens is the very first episode with 2,954 plays. So um yeah that's it you guys so thank you so much again i am so appreciative of all of you thank you for your support i hope that someone can pick up the mantle and come up with something even better um you know people ask me what are you going to do next um definitely i'm going to lay off the podcast thing for a while um but this story can't end here and uh, so i'm really 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 just thinking of some ideas of how we can um, take this story to the next step because as I mentioned before this would be so awesome as like this episodic um, show on like Netflix or even like HBO or whatever right Um, there are just so many um, components to this saga that would make just fascinating TV but of course that's a whole other beast and that's a whole other dream thank you for just riding along with me and um i wish you all a happy 2023 and may all our dreams come true in 2023 and malo apito